All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation, and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. This episode is part of a series where I interview experts on various areas around mental health. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help now, call 000 Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 anytime for support and advice. As a parent, I can tell you one of my main concerns always is my children. For those listening to this episode that have children, they would probably agree with that. And one of our main concerns when it comes to our children, apart from what they're going to be when they grow up and are they going to have the right guidance in life, is their health. And when we think of health, we think of physical health and mental health. As part of this mental health series, I've invited Dima Istanbuli, a mind architect, onto the show. She's also the author of a book that she's released recently called Intentional Reset. And this is one of her areas of specialty. So I've invited Dima to come along to talk about this topic when children and mental health. Dima, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Michael. It's like, I'm really excited for this episode. Me too, because when I when we were talking um, initially about um, you know your area of expertise, um, and you told me that you're a mind architect, um, one of the first questions I asked you is, "What's a mind architect?" So, f- for those listening to this episode, can you maybe probably explain that first? Because I'm assuming many people haven't heard of the term mind architect. Very true. Um, I'm a, I studied architecture. I had master degree in architecture, and I worked for almost twenty years. But during my career and um, when I hit rock bottom, I started discovering things that are related to mental health. And at the same time, I was applying whatever I was using to design people's spaces. So the first instance was, okay, yeah, mind architecture makes sense. Because before I was helping people design their spaces, and I'm now helping them redesign the way they think um, to reshape their lives. So that's how I created Mind Architecture. And, and as far as children are concerned, and, and, and by the way, I find it really interesting that you know, something like architecture, you wouldn't even think would relate to mental health. Like it's on like the complete opposite of the spectrum, but it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I'll make it more sense more make sense more. Um, think about it this way: an architect, when they are planning a house, they don't really know how to do the plumbing. They don't know how to do the electric electrical work, but they understand that plumbing has a certain thing to deliver, as well as electrical um, specialists. So they put them all together in one plan to deliver something that is practical for the client. But while talking to the client and personalizing everything based on the client. So in mind architecture, yes, we don't know biology. We don't know uh, epigenetics. 
we don't know neuroplasticity, but we know the, the, the conclusion or whatever they were trying to do. And as a conclusion, we use it in order to make the mind um, work for us. So I am a mind architect, but I help every person become the mind architect of their minds. And, and when it comes to children, um, I know this is a big area of yours um, and one of your passions. Yeah. Where, where do we begin? Because there's, you know, children, I mean, mental health is evolving as it is. It's it's something, and especially, you know, even with all the guests we've had on this series, as I talk to everyone, I'm, you know, I'm, the impression I get is that it's, you know, it's a moving you can say it's it's an evolving beast because our the world is changing, but also research is changing and not changing, but there's more research being done yeah. into the area. So we're understanding mental health more. But when it comes to children, you know, what's your approach on that? Because, you know, the, the impression I get that it's it's very different. You look at it very differently to the, the way most most you know, most people yeah. do. Okay. Let's start first with mental health. For me, mental health is about that internal space of every person that once it's well-designed, it's going to get you to take care of your physical health, of your relationships, of your social life, of your work. Everything is related for me. It starts from the mental health. It's not the opposite. It's very, very central in a person's life. When it comes to children, let's, let's have a quick history based on books and research uh, some of them agree with what I say, some of them don't. But in this case, I rely on my experience for the past seven years. Uh, other than talking on TV indirectly, people getting affected by what I say, but also, like the, let's say 350 people I talk to face-to-face. Let's start with the knowledge from this perspective. So we know that when a woman is pregnant from before zero so once she gives gives birth we we start with the zero age okay way before zero when when a woman is pregnant until the age of 7 we know that the mind is divided into two parts we have the subconscious unconscious like it has many names but i will call it subconscious mind and then at seven, our consciousness starts working until 12. Let's say zero to seven. How does it look? Because we're talking about children. So we're going to focus on zero to seven, seven to 12. And I would like to include the 12 to, eight, to 18. So whoever is listening to us, understand what they're doing in the life of their children. Okay. So for the mental health of children, if I'm saying from zero to seven, they are in a subconscious uh, state of mind, we mean by that that whatever they see in front of them is parachuted into their system. I always compare it to a mobile phone. So if you have a mobile phone that doesn't have any program inside, even if you attempt to touch the screen, you will see nothing changing because it doesn't have the program. The program is what the parents are doing to their children from the age of zero to the age of seven, they are uploading the programs without any consent from the children. And at seven is the time when this touch screen starts working and the child starts to um, train 
on the system consciously. They start doing it like how how we start language, you know, A, B, C, but we start A, B, C, then we start A, B, and then we start linking linking the patterns. And now I'm talking to you without even thinking because that became a subconscious. So during that time, whatever we do in the life of our children, so the way we talk to them, our personality even affects them. So if I am someone who's very, very angry, I am affecting the mental health of my child because the way I talk to them is the way they see how the system should work. And by the age of seven, when they start thinking properly, attempting to think properly, because it takes another, like, let's say five years for them to repeat and understand, this is where everything makes sense for them. And we are giving them a pair of glasses to see the life from. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. So it's so you're really emphasizing the the whole nurture side of things. So the way children are nurtured. Oh, again, with research, you go back. The DNA definitely has an effect on that. But they argue. Some people say nature is thirty, nurture is seventy. But when we look at the results of research and we look how. Um, the percentages and whatever we look at now, we see that when when we talk about uh, childhood, um, like adverse childhood experiences, and when we see in every research saying that these experiences are affecting our results, it gives us another um, way to see things that whatever happens in your childhood, is a gate for your adulthood. And we're going to see it like we're going to see all these problems reflected later on. So that time of the life of our children is very important. And parents are the main player plus the school. But I would say during that time, school is important, but parents are much more important. And we have the community as well. Okay. And, and, and how do parents work on that? So, if, you know, for, for someone listening to this that may be thinking, okay, ooh, maybe, you know, maybe I've, you know, I've, I've passed a bit of, you know, not a bit of baggage onto my children, but, you know, if, if a parent feels like maybe they're having a negative effect on their children's mental health, um, where do they begin? Um, what, what, what signs should they look out for? Um, and, you know, what are some, some resources or some strategies? Yeah. First of all, I would like to give you like few few times I got a call from a parent complaining about their children. So normally the, the problem in our society is that we parents think that we know better and we look at our children. I'm not going to say all of us, but a majority look at the children as a challenge, especially when they reach the teenager years. And yes. everyone will start complaining. But before we don't complain, why? Because we, let me put it between two brackets, we unintentionally manipulate the way they think. So when my children are between the age of, like they're, they're growing up, they break something. Some of them, some of us hit them, which is very bad. And we know by now the law doesn't let you do that. But a lot of us put them in the corner 
or stop them from using their devices, let's say, or, or like we have so many ways to punish, but we have so less ways to explain and explain. And we lose our patience because we want them to do the right thing. They don't really object from the age of zero to 12 much, but suddenly when they're 12 and their hormones, and you've heard it from many specialists before that, teenagers start having hormonal changes and they want to be autonome and they start fighting because they can see the difference between being uh, controlled by the parent and now they want to take control of their lives. So in, in this whole thing, the parent a lot of times don't know that there is a problem except in the teenage years. So since we're talking about childhood, I'm always relating to that because what we are um, uh, planting today, we're not going to see it today. So today you might not see any symptoms in your in your kids, but you will see it when your kids become teenagers. That, that's a really good point. Like, I mean, even for, for me, so my children are, you know, nine, six and four <laughs> and i remember when when they were younger i used to talk to clients and i say oh i can't wait for them to be teenagers i can just you know look after themselves and i i 99 of the time i'd get this look and they just look at you know so like like they're staring at a ghost and they're like no no you don't want them to you know <laughs> don't, don't look forward to teenage i'm like okay well okay so i just sort of i've always had that assumption that once they become teenagers um, all children become monsters you know and, and obviously yes they become a bit more obviously we all become more complicated as we get older and like what you said there's hormonal changes and there's all these different things but what you're saying is that yeah there's like an overlooked aspect of them from zero to to 12 True. which we're having a serious impact on potentially as parents Yes, and, and look at the numbers, like whatever we're doing in intervention in terms of traditional therapy, even introducing all, I'm not going to give names, but we're introducing centers and putting all this money, but then you look at the crisis and it's going up. Why? Because we're not tackling, we're tackling the symptoms. Once we start seeing the symptoms, we act, but the symptoms are actually, they're coming from a seed. So when you plant a seed, you wait, you believe that the seed is going to grow, right? And after maybe depends on how important is the seed. If it's a feeder, for example, it's going to take maybe five years. But if it's a parsley, it's going to take four weeks. Whatever it is, during the growth under the ground, you don't see anything and you think everything is all right. When it comes out, you're like, oh, the symptoms are showing I am in trouble. So what I'm going to give you an example about teenagers, because from my personal experience, so I have three teenagers now. Uh, I have a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, and an 18-years-old. And to be honest with you, maybe this is why I'm fighting for, somehow I'm fighting to prove some points, because now my, my children are my best friends. It's not that I never had any conflict with them, but it was always based on communication because when they were six, you know what was the the word that I used, the sentence that I used to say? I used to say, I'm not a policeman. I'm here to help you how to do it better the next time. So whenever you do something wrong, don't worry about telling me. And this is how it opened between us conversations. Sometimes I blush because, <laughs> because they ask me questions that are like we parents don't like to share. 
But I managed to build that relationship before they were 12 years old. And when they were 12, they didn't need to fight with me because they knew that their opinion matters and they knew that they can do whatever they want as long as they understand that the consequence is their responsibility. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And, and, and with, with, of course, with the big disclaimer that no parent is, is perfect and every, especially first-time oh, parents, yeah. we're, all, we're all learning and nobody gets given a book as to of how to course. raise children. Um, you know, if, if somebody's listening to, uh, to be honest with you, I think every parent listening to this episode is probably thinking about what they've done that they probably shouldn't have or something they could have done better, I should say. What, what would you say to that? Like, where could that parent start? Let's say somebody has a child that- okay you know, is maybe not 12 yet, maybe me, like, yeah. well, not maybe, yeah, but yeah. me. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, okay, um, I can think of many times where, you know, um, I've raised my voice, um, situations where, you know, I've, I could have maybe handled a situation better. Um, yeah. Yes, you can't change the past, but moving forward, what, what are some True. tips? What are some things that parents can do? Okay, first, let, let's, it's, thank you for asking this because when I'm talking to someone, when I'm helping someone, um, especially parents, because I had parents and I had their children. But the parents would say, I feel so guilty because I've done this and I didn't know. What we need to emphasize now is we're, we shouldn't feel guilty because we did what we knew best and we had the programs coming from our culture, from our parents. So we were raised that way. We can do it better except when we know about something better. So... Don't feel guilty, and it's never, ever too late. And I I was that parent. I was the parent that shouts. I was the parent that did. I would say now, if I look back, I say horrible things, but I cannot judge myself 15 years ago or 12 years ago because, you know, when we're growing, we go to school. Can you judge yourself in year one for doing bad in math? You can't do that because Year one is year one. Now you're in year 12. We are in year 12 in our parenting. So we can't look back and say, oh, I did it wrong. Oh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. The most important part now is what do I do when I start being aware that the way I am raising my children is a bit, is not going to help them when they are older. So the first thing I would say is look at your children from, especially because we are in a world where everyone thinks business and business relationships and work, think about it as if they were your business partner. If if your child is your business partner, how do you talk to them? And the traditional way of talking, no, 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 they will, if you speak to them, them like that, there are no boundaries, there are, they're going to do things that are bad. I always tell parents, if they are, doing the bad thing when they are under your wings, it's good because you're going to be able to help them. But if you keep on suppressing them and telling them, don't do this, don't do that, and especially the parents, um, I want to open this uh, subject. When it comes to alcohol, drugs, all of that, we always say, don't do that. You're going to go to prison. Uh, Like We always make it so bad. Because we think that if we make it so bad, they're going to be 
um, afraid to do it. Education and raising our children should not be based on making them feel afraid. It should be like giving them agency, giving them that sense of agency. So instead of telling my child, the police will get you or you're going to get in trouble and all of that, I'm going to talk about alcohol, let's say. I'm going to say that, listen, I know you might find people that are doing it in secret and you might find people even with my 18 years old, I'd say you would see people abusing it because they have a right to do it now. But always remember, whatever you do, there's going to be a consequence. The consequence might be this, might be that, might be health, might be life. But it's up to you. If you take whatever decision you take, you have to be responsible for the outcome. And just on this subject, when she was 16 and we were overseas, she went to a party because it's it's different than here. Uh, She came back and she told me that some of her friends, she saw them smoking something and they offered to her and she said, you know what, I'm happy. I don't need that to go into my body to be happier. So this is, if you apply this with your children, that's that's the result that you're going to get. They're going to trust you. They're going to come back and tell you and they're not going to get involved just because they're curious because you um, fed that curiosity in them. In in. You know, that makes a lot of sense because it's a lot of the things you're mentioning are the things that we've always, you know, a lot of the things you're mentioning are not mistakes, but things that have always been done that way. And it's like, yeah. oh, you know, yeah, don't do that. You know, this is bad. Or, um, I mean, even to be honest with you, even like when you see a police officer saying, oh, look, it's the police, <laughs> you know, when really it should be the opposite. You should tell them, look, it's the police. Like they're, they're your friends. So the kids don't grow up scared of the police, you know, so it's so that you know when they need help in a shopping center for example they could find a police officer and be comfortable exactly. to approach not being scared to approach a police officer so yeah it's it's crazy that you you know that as i'm listening to you i'm thinking there's all these different ways where as parents we've always done things because it's probably how our parents did it and we've sort of just passed that on but you know just going back to what you said at the start of this episode you you redesign you're redesigning the way people think so you think people have always thought this way and just like you're talking about us programming our children unintentionally um we've been programmed unintentionally by our parents so it's about changing that cycle and and doing things in a different way and um, i mean i'm not a parenting expert but i'm going to share something that i heard from a podcast actually a while ago it's actually the only first and only parenting episode podcast I've listened to in my life, but it was, it was good. Um, so I'd love to know your thoughts about it, but this lady gave an example of, um, uh, you know, a, a child, for example, being on a bike and constantly going on the road and the mum telling her, no, you know, stay off the road, stay on the driveway. And she kept going on the road. And what most parents would do is they'd take that bike away from them and say, all right, you've lost your bike. You're not going to go on it anymore as a punishment. Yeah. Um, but what she said is the better way to do it. And again, Everybody has different opinions on parenting, of course, but in her opinion, she said the best way to do it is to talk to her and to to, to talk to the child and say, look, you you know, you're you're obviously not ready to to ride on the bike properly in a safe way. You keep going on the road and I've asked you not to and, you know, I'm worried about your safety. So I'm going to take the bike away from you until you're ready and you're responsible enough to be able to ride it in a safe manner without going on the road. Um, and since listening to that, it makes a lot of sense. It, it, I've, I've sort of implemented it with my children, you know, and it, 
it works. And it, so, to be honest with you, it's sort of, they've got nothing to say back to that because they they can't really argue. They You've sort of just stated a really good point um, yeah. to them. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that sort of what you were talking about when it comes to, you know, taking iPads off children and, yeah, I would I would introduce one more step before I say I'll take it away, because with their ages, okay, the minute you say I take it away means you're not good enough for that. For them, for us as a parent, yes, they're not good enough. What are you telling me? That's logic. Yeah, it's logic. But is their logic close to this logic? Do they understand? Like I was, I was listening to Ian Hickey. Um, he's a professor from Sydney Brain and Mind uh, Center. He was talking about how, like, the chemicals in their body is so strong that they like to do things that are crazy. So a lot of times it's not about what we are saying, but I would say I would show them. First of all, I would say I would give them, like, um, a mid-step. So let's do let's do a challenge, for example, okay? Every time you are on the path, you're going to get those points. Every time, every time you go down the path, because they're under you, they're still you are with them, right? And they're going to challenge you. They're going to try to see your reaction. And a lot of times, they're going to do the same mistake, not because they don't want to, because they are entertained with your reactions. And if I go back to my daughter and every child that age, maybe at around two and a half, three, they're trying to eat and they drop the spoon. Okay. You start talking to them like, no, 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 use the spoon, you use it to eat. But what's the next thing they do? You give them the spoon and they drop it again because they look at you and they see that they got a reaction from you. And a lot of times we don't give even these reactions because we're too busy. So once they get hold of us, they just want the reaction to go over and over again because for them it's entertaining and it's it's filling their emotional tank. So in that specific case, I would, I don't know why, but I've noticed that the more, if you take, even if you're explaining, yeah, if you don't let them say, I'll put it away, I'll try to train myself more, then they will always have this curiosity inside. And once you are busy, they might take it and go on the road and have an accident. So depends on the personality, depends on the age. There are so many uh, factors that come into play, but I would always say, I will explain about safety. I will show them videos on uh, YouTube about children that, uh, that are riding a bike and what might happen, but in a cartoon, not in a real life, <laughs> because real life stories are going to be like a trauma for them. Like, I don't know if you got my point. It's yes. not about... Like, I know we need to set boundaries, but with kids, it's always friendly boundaries. And when they repeat it, we should not get offended as parents. It's not about us. And this is, a, there's a hairline between raising up children and trying to defend our egos. Yes. Okay. And and I know we're running very tight on time, but lastly, I just want to ask you if parents uh, have noticed some potential, you know, mental health, you know, d- traits in their children that they feel should be checked out. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming yeah. the worst thing is to ignore it, you know, yeah. or, if, if, or if they haven't noticed, well, first question is what can they, what can parents look out for in children? Like what's, yeah. at what point does something just become 
not normal for a child. Um, yeah. again, we can't really define the word normal, but you know, what's out of the ordinary. Um, and secondly, what, how, what can they do as parents to, to help those children and, you know, who should they contact? Okay. First of all, out of the ordinary could start from coming from school, complaining all the time, uh, complaining about everything in life. Uh, another thing could be stealing, stealing food, stealing their friend things. And older children, you can start seeing addiction to, uh, to devices, uh, not wanting to see other people, not wanting to talk. Uh, it could be self-harm for older kids, but even now the problem is we're giving these devices for our children and they're watching things uncontrollably. So they are exposed to self-harm, they are exposed to suicidal thoughts, and the problem is without any filters. So, And when they listen to that, they, they are more curious and then their social media goes on like crazy with all these ideas. We can, uh, we can see... Kids are getting bullied. They come and say, I am bullied. Uh, or uh, we, we get complaints from, from school that they are bullying. All of these are the same, the same uh, facets of the same coin. So they all come from the same problem is the child is not feeling happy and they're going to go towards something somehow. Anything that is not, that is odd to their nature and to your values and culture at the same time is something you should be aware of. The first, um, uh, uh, what can we do? And this is going to be a bit, I think, um, that's my way. Uh, I'm not going to say, I'm not trying to say the, the normal ways are bad, but I'm saying it starts from home. The problem it's not we are the problem. We are trying to give them something. Like they bring us a, a, a grade and we say, oh, yeah, that's good, but you can do better. But you can do better. That's already something that is going to hurt them. We'll talk about this maybe one other time, but I can start being the person that has time for them. Because the first thing is we notice in children that the first, when they do something like that, it's because they, are, they need attention. And I know a child who's 14, imagine at 14, she got paralyzed and that was not really, not very long ago. They went everywhere, they checked everything and they couldn't find, and they said to the mother, she needs therapy. I, she called me because she knows me from social media, she knows me from the school. And I told her, I wanna come and talk to the family. I went and I did a session for the whole family and we started talking about things and highlighting what was going wrong mentally and how she was trying to get the attention of everyone, but everyone was busy with their problems. So if you want to attend to your kids' problems, you need to give them attention, undivided attention, your laptop on the side, your phone on the side, uh, talk to them. And when they feel that you are starting to talk and you are rebuilding that healthy relationship with them, they will start sharing. First, they will not share what they're going through in terms of self-harm or anything like that. But they're going to start saying exactly what's happening in an indirect way. But you can't really hear that except if you have unconditional attention. Yes. Okay. The, the very good points. And 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 uh, to be honest with you, uh, I mean, I've I've learned a lot just from talking to you. And I'm sure many parents listening to this episode have taken something out of this. So thank you so much for your time, Dima. Um, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you or they want to um, learn more about what you do um, or even your book, 
uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, I would say the easiest to memorize right now is Mind Architecture on Instagram. That could be the easiest way to get in touch with me. And um, so I can, and I would say, I always tell people, if you're dealing with something, just contact me. We, we have a quick call and we discuss what you're going through. A lot of times it could be something very simple that they can change. And it could be solved just by by having an advice from someone who who cares and I do care for the youth and I want to do that unconditionally. And we take it from there. If whatever they need to do, they need to do. Yeah. Great. Sounds good. And I'll put the link to your website um, in the yes. description of this episode as well. Okay. Um, and, uh, and lastly, Dima, I like to always finish my jokes off with the dad joke. So um, dad jokes, as you know, that normally they're, yeah. they're funny, but they're not very funny. So I hope you're ready for this one. Um, what, what do you call a polar bear wearing earmuffs? Oh, you're talking to a French educated. Um, anything you want, anything you want. They can't hear you. Anything you want. It's, it all started, to be honest, this whole dad joke thing started because, um, I was always just mentioning dad jokes all the time. Like before I even became a dad, I just, that's just me. I I mean, I think I'm funny and sometimes that's all that matters. And then um, people started saying to me, oh, you've got good dad jokes. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, this podcast, I've got, it's my podcast. I guess I can say any joke I want really. And as long as I think they're funny, that's all that matters. (laughs) 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 Which sounds pretty, but but yeah, thank you so much for your time, Dima. I really appreciate your time. Um, And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my views. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.